0: Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, It's been pretty nice out lately. I just got uh, the new cyberpunk game. It came out the other day, and um, it does not run very well on my computer. It's crashing a lot. Cool, cool. Ooh.
0: And cyberpunk. That goes well with today's theme, but we'll get into that shortly. I'm also joined by
2: Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how are you? I'm doing really good. I'm pretty happy. Uh, today was a very exciting day. Um, if felt like Comic-Con. The Comic-Con we were, should have gotten earlier in the year, but exactly. I guess early Christmas gift, I guess.
0: Yeah, so we can start there. Today is December 10th, 2020. And this very day, there was huge Disney announcements that went down, yeah? Uh, So, you know, today's episode will focus primarily on the original Blade Runner movie. We're going to go deep on it. But, uh, yeah, we can't... uh, move on without at least mentioning these Disney announcements. Pretty crazy. Like a ton of content was announced kind of out of nowhere. You know, this is the kind of uh, geek news that you would expect during, like you said, Comic-Con, right? So kind of took us all by surprise there and really too many announcements to mention. (laughs) I think uh, we can go deeper into it later like um, we're, we're planning on a uh, 2020 recap and a looking forward to 2021 and a lot of this content will come out next year so uh, I think organically we'll mention it then um, but yeah like I said we can't just you know ignore this news right so maybe we can just go around the table a little bit and talk about uh, stuff that uh, was particularly exciting Um, How about, Kristen, you want to start with uh, what you found exciting? So, um,
1: the Fantastic Four announcement that Marvel's doing, because ever since that, you know, the merger, when I saw, oh, Fox and Disney are merging, um, man, I hope now is the the time they finally make a good Fantastic Four movie. And then, hey, they announced it today. So, I'm really excited for that. Very cool. Do you know
2: they announced a director to the movie
1: already? Oh, they did? Who did they announce?
2: I think his name's John Watts, the one who directed Spider-Man Far From Home.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: And Homecoming. Oh, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. So he did well there. Yeah, I did really like those movies. So. Uh-huh. It makes you wonder,
0: uh, is the fantastic four going to be a young fantastic four because he worked primarily with younger actors in the Spider-Man movies. Uh, so, you know, just speculation, but it's possible. Um, maybe, maybe not right because they did go with a pretty young cast for the most recent fantastic four. And we all know how that went. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah this is cool right uh we knew it was gonna be announced at some point you know yeah disney had the rights with the fox acquisition Uh, but it was just a matter of when and now that it's official here we go right
2: can't wait okay how about you one last question question okay uh I'm excited for WandaVision. Uh, This was the second trailer that we saw today that was released. And I I guess, like, the reason why I'm so excited for that one is, one, I love Scarlet Witch. Like, I I love her to death. But, two, like, this is going to be the first, like, Marvel content we've had in, like, a year. So (laughs) I'm just ready to get back into it. Like, and like have these conversations that we've had like in like podcasts, like we watch Marvel and then the next week we talk about what we just saw. So yeah, I'm ready to get back into that and talk.
0: Yes. Back to the MCU proper. Right. We've had
2: mm-hmm.
0: very little to talk about in terms of the MCU for a while. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. stoked too. I, the the show looks very weird and bizarre, but you know, in a good way. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh similarly, I'm super stoked about a new MCU trailer also. This one was the Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. Um yeah, I, I already knew like this was kind of the show. I was looking forward to the most on Disney plus but yeah uh, seeing the trailer really confirmed it. I cannot wait to see this uh, you got to see a little bit of Zemo you got to see a lot of Falcon and winter Soldier um, and um yeah you know i i I feel like you got a little bit of insight on on this whole uh, Captain America passing the torch thing too because at the end of Endgame it seemed like Sam Wilson was going to become the new Captain America right Um, so it made the title of the show a little confusing you know it's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier right so is he Falcon or is he the new Cap or what you know and I think this trailer kind of answers that question because we see a whole lot of Falcon and he, he is he is not wielding the vibranium shield nor is he in red white and blue right so clearly he's not captain america in this trailer and it even starts out with sam wilson having a few words about the shield saying you know there's like there's some baggage baggage associated with the shield and you kind of get the sense that he's not ready to take on that mantle yet right and uh yeah it seems like He's he's not given up the Falcon role quite yet, um, but yeah. That the another thing that got me really excited about the show is that um, there's a lot of action in the trailer and uh, it it looks great. There's a there's this aerial battle sequence with Falcon that looks really cool. So yeah, needless to say, I cannot wait for this show. <laughs> and that's just a few of what uh what was announced today you know like i said we can probably get into it more uh after today's episode but uh Mm -hmm. we can we can get into blade runner now although i guess maybe we should mention a couple other news items not from today but from uh recent times right um The Spider-Man 3 news was pretty interesting. (laughs) Um, Proferio, you want to talk about that real briefly?
2: Yeah, so it was announced earlier in the week that um, the Doc Doc character from um, Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire series, is going to reprice his role in Spider-Man 3 which kind of confirms like this like spider verse that we've been talking about for a while. And then after that, there were a bunch of rumors that like came out about the role, like whether or not Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to reprint, are going to come back. Um, whether or not Charlie Cox who played Daredevil from Netflix is going to be on it. A bunch of rumors, mm-hmm. but one can only dream. <laughs> yeah
0: a lot of speculation there's the whole jamie fox thing too right there's some talk of him being in that movie
2: so that one's yeah. already confirmed
0: oh it is okay so yeah if Jamie yeah. fox
2: uh-huh.
0: is in it as electro alfred molina is in it as Doc Ock. yeah it really feels like they're going for a spider verse thing and uh yeah pretty exciting you know kind of out there yeah. but uh We'll see. It's, I I feel a little bit, it might be too much going on. Like we've talked about movies trying to do too much before there, there might be just too much craziness going on in this movie, but uh, you know, shoot, if, if we get to see, you know, multiple Spider-Man actors in this, I mean, shoot, like how can you not be excited about it?
2: Yeah, I I read somewhere. I think it was Kevin who said like he wants this to be more of a Sinister, sinister Six movie than a Spider-Man Spider Verse movie, hmm. which I think makes sense because I think Spider Verse needs its own like trilogy with all this like stuff going on. Like like you said, a lot's going on, and yeah. it would make the most sense to just yeah make it a Sinister Six movie. That would be cool.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I guess one thing to note, I guess, both about the uh, the older the other characters, uh, Doctor Octopus and Spider Man Two, and then Electro and Sp- Amazing Spider Man Two, is that I think they both died at the end. Um, I haven't seen mm-hmm. Amazing Spider Man Two in a while, but uh, you know, Doctor Octopus did uh, like commit suicide at the end, were in order to save the city from the, from right, the bomb. Right. So I wonder if they don't go like a full Spider-Verse route, it's possible they, the actors could be reprising their roles, kind of like J. Jonah Jameson at the end of Far From Home, but be playing um, kind of different characters. Oh, that's an interesting take. It's possible.
0: But then again, uh-huh. we're talking about comic books here, and nobody really dies in comic books, <laughs> right? So, Except, you know. uh, Yeah.
1: The only person that stays dead in comics is Uncle Ben. <laughs> right. <it>. Exactly. <laughs>
2: okay. I I, I wonder, Henry, if if like if those villains are coming back, would you consider those like movies then part of the MCU?
0: Oh, you mean the the Sam Raimi trilogy and the two Andrew Garfield Spider Man movies? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, I just, yeah, I can't. (laughs) No, I I can, you know, we we talked a bit before about how, like, Blade, X-Men, and Spider-Man led to the MCU. So it's part of the lineage, you know. Um, You could argue there would be no MCU if Sam Raimi did not do the first Spider-Man movie. So, you know props where props are due but is it an mcu movie if alfred molina reprises his role in this movie yeah that's a big stretch you know it's a big stretch all right so yeah just when we thought we weren't going to talk about marvel this week we ended up talking a whole lot about marvel (laughs) but uh that's uh that's you know that's how it goes. You know, news is news. You know, this is big news. And uh, like I said, we, we can't ignore it. We have to acknowledge it. Uh, but yeah, I think Arcade we can North. move on. Yeah. Let's move on to Blade Runner. Total 180. Our movie night last week was the original Blade Runner movie. And when I say original, I guess technically it wasn't the original original. We watched Blade Runner The Final Cut. And um, where to start here? Um, Maybe we'll start with you, Christian, because um, this is the first in a series of movies where it's going to be like one of us is kind of sharing it to the others, right? Um, This was your pick. uh, So yeah, maybe you can tell us why you chose this movie to show to the two of us
1: all right well i love cyberpunk i love a lot of cyberpunk sci-fi like um i think with 2020 this almost feels like uh like a cyberpunk year the way we're kind of quarantined inside and our entire world has been virtual so yeah. naturally i've kind of like been like rewatching and uh just kind of going back into the genre a lot this year and, and, like, you kind of see similarities between the 2020 that we live in today and the 2020 that was depicted in a lot of these old cyberpunk worlds in the 80s and 90s, and the way some things are different, but some things have, have stayed the same. And so, uh, Blade Runner is one of the big kind of progenitors of that, that genre, the way it blended this futurism as a melding of humans and technology with the, like the detective noir films of like the forties and fifties to kind of give it that atmosphere. And I just love this movie. I think it's one of those movies that gets better every time I watch it as well. Uh, The first time I watched it, I didn't really care for it, but it kind of stuck with me. And so it's a movie that like, I'll just go back and I'll notice something different. I'll appreciate something that I, I didn't really notice before. And so, yeah, I, I love this movie. What did you guys think of this movie? Well, um,
0: I had seen this movie before a number of times and I'm a huge fan too. Love this movie. Um, And I agree with pretty much everything you said, like, it's great sci-fi, but it's also thought-provoking sci-fi, right? Um, yeah, like, you know, we've talked about this with superhero movies, right? Superhero movies are, are great. We all love them. Um, but they're that much more satisfying when they tap into, you know, what's really going on in the world, that there's like a social commentary aspect to it. And... um yeah, Blade Runner is just like that, right? You can really draw parallels between this movie and real life. And um, and it's not just like surface level stuff. We're talking like deep philosophical stuff, you know, and uh, that's great, you know, because you can enjoy this movie on multiple levels. You can enjoy it on kind of a surface level. Like it looks just beautiful. Like it's eye candy um, and you can just enjoy it on that aspect you can enjoy it as kind of a like a detective noir kind of story um but yeah you can get real deep into it too you can start to question what makes us human what is human consciousness i mean just like real kind of deep thoughts kind of stuff right and i I love uh stories like this where it's layered. Like you can enjoy it on so many different levels. Right. Um, it had been a while since I'd last seen it. So it was cool revisiting it last week and it really does hold up. I think, you know, it, it really is a classic and um, yeah, I, I love this movie too. What about you Preferio?
2: Yeah. On my end, this was my first time watching it. I always, I, I know Christian, you've always told me to watch it. And I told myself I'd get around to it. Um, yeah, this was, my, this was my first time. And I absolutely loved the movie. It was good effects. Like, it was, yeah, like, recorded in the 80s. But it, like, the effects, they were cool. They were really awesome. The music was just, like, it, like, drove you into the, the atmosphere the energy of the movie. Harrison Ford was amazing. Um, The visuals were really awesome for its time. I just, it it was really cool. And since I love that sci-fi genre, it was hard not to, like, love it or appreciate it. And especially, like you said, Henry, like, you love a movie that kind of, like, gets you thought-provoking about, like, like go deeper than just like the surface and think about like how is it relevant to, to day, to today's society or to, to yourself or whatever. And I could tell like, there's definitely like a theme of like uh, what makes up a human and is it empathy? Is it this, is it that? And I, got, I, I mean, there were a few times when like, there were like scenes that totally made me that provoke myself where I totally spaced out on some scenes um but i was just like i guess like uh like uh, um criticizing myself like 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 from the beginning of like a robot would i care if this robot died or not and then by the end i was just like oh god do i care (laughs) and it was it was crazy um so this was a crazy and awesome movie so thanks for picking this movie. Right on.
0: So, um you know what's cool too? I kind of feel like this is a cool companion movie to the anime movie Akira. Um they're both like cyberpunk staples, right? Like like you don't know cyberpunk if you haven't seen these two like this is like they're must see for for that genre right um and interestingly very interestingly both films take place in the year 2019 <laughs> i don't know <laughs> if that's a coincidence or what but uh pretty interesting that they both take place in the same year and like our present day is 2020 so um it's kind of a fun little exercise for us right now to to look back at these movies and see like, oh, uh, do these movies, both of which were made in the 80s, do they reflect our present day at all? And, you know, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, to what extent, you know, differing extents, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, right now, like our present day, kind of like what you were saying, Christian, our present day has kind of a cyberpunk feel to it. And it is cool to look at uh, both Akira and Blade Runner as as, you know, in terms of, oh, how relevant are they now? Especially when they were supposed to take place in what is our present day, right? So just kind of a cool little exercise. And like another fun thing with, with Blade Runner I think is you can have long conversations about the themes that come up in the movie, right? We've already touched upon them, like what makes us human. Um like you can have deep conversations. You know, maybe we can get into that a little bit um, just because it's it's come up a couple of times already, you know, this question of what makes us human. I, I think this movie really asks that question on a number of levels, right? So maybe in the context of, of this film, like when you're watching it, like what, what thoughts come up t- for you guys? Like what makes us human? What traits uh, constitute that? Any thoughts?
1: Well, um, one theme that they like, that the movie really likes to drive home is the theme of empathy. And on the surface, uh, you would say that empathy is what makes us human because at the very beginning of the movie is what's called the void comp test so they look at the retinal scan of a what could be a replicant as the person just someone asks them questions uh, and measures their empathic responses like at the very beginning it's like you you're walking in the desert and you see a turtle flipped over what do you do are you going to help this turtle And you see yourself not helping the turtle. Why not? And there's a big thing to animals with animals um, in the book, uh, especially all animal life for the most part has ceased to exist outside of very small numbers. And a lot of animals are fake. And they say this in the movie, like, oh, is that real? Is that owl real? Is that snake real? Yeah. And so the movie like tells us or the society that's portrayed in the movie is telling us that empathy is what makes us human. And at the same time, uh, where does empathy come from? Well, it might come from our shared experiences and memories. Uh, Replicants of fake memories in the movie, they're imbued with it and they're taught that they're the real thing. Sean Young's character, Rachel doesn't realize she's a replicant because she thinks all of her memories are real mm-hmm. until Decker tells her that her memories are actually implants.
0: Right. He and tells her her own memories, memories right? Yeah. yeah. He tells
1: her her, her her own, like, very personal memories. Yeah. So I guess the big question is do you guys think empathy is what makes the human soul? Do you think we are essentially our experiences, a collection of our experiences? Yeah, I love questions like this because
0: <laughs> it just it it just makes you kind of dig deep and and it, it's thought provoking, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but before I go on, what about you, you What are your thoughts on on that topic?
2: On um, what makes us human? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I kind of agree with Christian. I think it's um, empathy, like how much we care or not care about certain issues um i mean like obviously as human beings we're mammals and then there's like other mammals like dogs elephants blah 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 but i guess like the major difference is like we know like the difference between right or wrong we know like um i don't know like are you gonna um when you're walking down the street and a homeless guy asks for money, are you going to give him money or are you going to keep walking on with your daily life? Cause it doesn't concern you. Um, so I guess it's like that, like, uh, self-conscious ability to like, uh, like free will, I guess is what I'm looking for. Like to make your own decisions and, um, live with the actions of those decisions um I guess that's what's the biggest difference you know what what makes a human versus like a different form of being
0: yeah yeah I agree with a lot of that you know one interesting thought I had was well you know we talked about having a soul you know is that Is that kind of the defining characteristic of of being human, having a soul? Um, Because I feel like what we're talking about, like having empathy, having emotions, that kind of lends itself to having a soul. Like if you're a soulless person, you have no empathy. You, You don't care about anything, right? You could still be human, but you're a soulless human, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, what makes us human, it's maybe not exactly these things because I feel like you could be a soulless human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like you could be a soulless robot. Right. So, um, yeah, very interesting stuff. I think in this movie, we see, we see different characters. We we see humans who are, you know, uh, who, who have empathy and humans who don't. And we see replicants who have empathy and replicants who don't. So th- there's some gray area there, right? Um, so may- to me, maybe the bigger question isn't what makes us human. It's like what gives us a soul, right? And 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 the answer to that, I think, is the stuff we've been talking about, having empathy, having emotions feeling love for another being right um so yeah i i I, and i do like that idea that you don't have to be human to have a soul you know it's kind of a warm and fuzzy feeling right so when you're watching um you know any movie or show it doesn't have to be blade runner you know, it could be like Star Wars, a completely different kind of science fiction. Um, you look at characters like R2-D2 and C-3PO, uh, clearly they're not human. They're droids, right? Um, but they're as emotional as any character in the whole Star Wars series, right? You know, R2-D2 gets excited all the time. C-3PO is, is always anxious and fearful. Um, they, they wear their emotions on their sleeves, right? Um, so on that front, uh, even though they're not human, uh, they they definitely have human characteristics and, and definitely have a soul, you know, um, and, you know, there's a reason why they're beloved characters like people care about them, you know, when, when, uh, when when they're at the, the cantina and the, the barkeep tells them to get out, they we don't serve their kind. <laughs> You know, we get mad because we know that, you know, they're not like mindless robots, right? They're 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 like uh uh, uh beings with emotions, right? So I mm-hmm. uh, I I like that thought, you know, that we can uh consider anyone, humans and non-humans to be uh full of life, full of emotion and yeah, full of soul. It's very cool. Mhm.
1: Uh, To go off that, here's a question for you guys. Do you think um, a soul is essentially something that you acquire or learn? Or is it something you're born with?
2: I want to say you kind of have to learn what it's, like, like, again, like, learning, like, philosophy of, like, learning what's right or wrong, like, I guess, like, what I I was saying earlier, like, a soul is, like, this, like, um, I don't know, like, this, like, feeling of, like, living with whatever, whatever reaction you have, like, this, like, uh, like, part of your body that tells you, like, you did the right thing, or, like, can you live with this guilt or like you did the best you could and stuff um and to understand that you have to learn it from human interaction social connecting and stuff like if you're like born isolated or whatever like a lab rat like i don't know like homelander from the boys or something like you kind of don't understand like why somebody is crying or how to um, I don't know maybe I'm like thinking too much ahead of it <laughs> um, but I think it's something you kind
1: of have to learn
2: uh, that was your question right whether you're born of it or you're, you learn right yeah
1: which is a big you know it's a big open-ended question I uh, like uh-huh. I'm not fully sure how to answer it either.
2: Uh, I, th- I th- like okay, l- yeah. Let me just straight up just answer it. I think it's something you have to you learn how to understand what a soul is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that. You know, I've heard that with children, they uh, they don't really have self awareness until typically around like two years old or so. And um, that kind of stuck with me when I heard that because um, self-awareness is often attributed to uh, attributes, attributes of being human, right? Especially when we're talking about like artificial intelligence, right? Um, artificial intelligence is really just a pile of metal until that self-awareness kicks in, right? Um, then you could argue they are human or you could argue that they are uh or th- they uh they they have like a soul or or, or to your well, your question christian was specifically what
1: uh do you think a soul is something that you're born with or is it something oh, that okay. you learn and acquire
0: yeah, okay, yeah, the soul thing. Uh, see, yeah, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> see, me too, yeah, that's what I was But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, so if 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 human children need some time to, like you're saying, to learn, uh, to have a soul, then um, I think the same would apply to, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, to get that self-awareness, right? Uh so so yeah i i think i agree it, it it's a learned kind of thing.
2: Well, yeah. What what do you think Henry or Christian?
1: So um i guess i want to keep going off of the idea of self-awareness because that reminded me of something well uh in high school that i learned you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um i don't know if you guys if you guys also learned that. So you know there's like six five or six tiers of just things that you yourself need at the bottom is things like food and water, of course mm-hmm. um as like our very most basic needs As the top is called self actualization, so needs that fulfill our sense of worth in the world need on kind of like kind of a a higher sense than just something that physically satisfies you and so um is the soul learned or is it something you're born with? So like, I guess it is, it is like a real tough question. And I would also probably agree that, that maybe the soul is a sense of self actualization within the world and a sense of doing your place and, and um, like, but kind of making a little more of it it, so to speak. I'm not, I'm not sure how well I kind of phrased that general idea, but um, in the sequel, Blade Runner 2049, there's a really good scene between Ryan Gosling, the Blade Runner, Kay, and uh, Robin Wright, who plays the, like, I think she's the police chief. Mm-hmm. And um, Kay asks her, the que- or says, to be, bo- to be born is to have a soul. And Robin mm. Wright responds... Well, I think you've done pretty well without one because <laughs> uh-huh. Kay, the Blade Runner is definitely a replicant in Blade Runner 2049 mm-hmm. uh-huh. It's established in like the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you think about that like does does he does Kay have a soul? does uh, Roy batty, the the replicant from uh, the first Blade Runner, does he have a soul? Is he just as human as the rest of us, even if he, even if he was manufactured with a specific four-year lifespan as opposed to uh, the full life that we have? Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe the soul is just, in a sense, self-awareness and self-actualization and knowing who you are within the grand scheme of the world and, in a sense, connecting with that world hmm yeah yeah
0: I think it's pretty cool the setup of the movie you mentioned uh uh Roy Batty great performance by Rutger Hauer in Blade Runner um but it's really set up in the beginning as kind of a a more standard uh story where you have our hero played by the heroic Harrison Ford, who now and certainly then was most known for his Han Solo character, right? Um, so we're used to seeing him in this sort of traditional hero role where he's taking out the bad guys. And, and you know, in the beginning of the movie, he, that's his assignment. You know, We've got this rogue group of androids and um, they're, they're doing bad things and he needs to take them out, right? And uh the first replicant we get familiar with uh is this, this character Leon who is is a, a piece of work, right? He he really does seem to be pretty ruthless and yeah, without empathy, um and he needs to be stopped. Um but kind of along the way the, the, the lines are grayed, right? Because we we discover that this group of replicants, they aren't like a bunch of evil marauders, right. Which, you know, we might have thought they were at the beginning of the movie. And, um, the question of is Roy Batty evil and completely soulless is, is kind of hazy, you know? Um, and I think at the end of the movie, it's, it's kind of as complex, uh, is a complex question right I, I certainly felt empathy toward him you know i felt like it was a sympathetic character right you kind of feel for his his situation right and um yeah I, I certainly at the end i it wasn't this feeling of of oh like everyone's rooting for deckard to take out roy batty and you know everyone goes home happy sort of thing i remember when i f- first watched this movie i, I kind of had that frame of mind and i was a little disappointed because i was like okay i want to see Decker like take out batty and and just you know save the day right um and and uh you didn't really get that that kind of standard hollywood ending right um and it's purposeful and and i, I like now I, I really like how it ends it's, it's this kind of vague ending that you're you're kind of uh you know wondering how you should feel at the end right and again thought-provoking for sure so speaking of uh oh sorry christian did you have something you wanted to add
1: um let's see so i guess how kind of about roy batty but um harrison ford's character deckard i guess i wanted to ask you guys the age-old question of this movie do you guys think deckard is a replicant and i guess to add on to this how does it how does deckard being a replicant or not being a replicant how does that shape how you see the character oh Another, well, another open-ended question. <laughs> that
0: was actually the exact topic I was going to go to <laughs> anyway. So hey, great go. minds think alike. Um, but yeah, I can start there. Um, so kind of along the lines of what I was saying earlier, you know, to me, the question is, you know, what it, the big question isn't like, oh, what makes us human? It's more of like what gives us a soul. Right. Because, as we've seen in this very movie, we've seen the whole spectrum. We've seen humans on one side of the spectrum. We've seen humans on the other side of the spectrum. And same with the replicants. They're all across the board, right? So the question of, is Deckard a replicant? It, that, to me, it's not that important a question. Because, you know, whether he is or he isn't, he could still have empathy or not he could have a soul or not right um i mean it's a it's a fascinating question but um i don't think it should like kind of what you're asking christian it shouldn't skew our opinion of the character you know he does what he does and the fact of is he a replicant or not shouldn't matter so much in that respect uh but to answer your answer the big question specifically. I do think he's a replicant. And the reason I think he is, is is kind of the the generally accepted reason. And that's uh, the Edward James almost character, right? Gaff. Uh, So he's the guy who, he makes those little origami pieces, right? And at the end of this movie, this is the, we're talking about the final cut version, right? We do see, gaff make a little unicorn origami as uh deckard and rachel are are leaving right and to me and to a lot of people that is an indication that gaff knows uh deckard's innermost thoughts because we saw a unicorn earlier in the movie uh and it implied that that was in deckard's dreams right so the only way you would know deckard's dreams is if he was a replicant so that's where i draw that conclusion it's a very kind of abstract telling of this story i mean this movie that's another great aspect of the movie It 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 never really explicitly hits you over the head with stuff it just kind of shows you stuff that may or may not uh be real or maybe it's just interpretive, it's abstract. Um, uh, so that's cool, but that's how I read it. I read that the image of the unicorn earlier was Deckard's dreams. And when we see that unicorn origami at the end of the movie, it's just telling us, oh, Gaff knows what you know. And the fact that he knows, it tells me that, okay, Deckard is indeed a replicant. So, that's my take.
2: Uh yeah, I think f- for me I honestly I did not think about this until like after the movie cuz um obviously I never heard about that theory so I had to like think back to some the decker the character in general And for me, like, I thought, like, Harrison Ford's performance, he was just, like, really, like, monotone, which, again, I don't know if that was part of, like, the way he acted or as part of, like, how the character was intended. But um, he just kind of seemed like he was doing the job and didn't really care for the actions of what he was doing. And then, like, you see that scene where he does, like, have, like, affection towards, like, Rachel, that's her name, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rachel. But that doesn't mean that, that doesn't prove that he's human or replicant. Because, like, you said, Henry, at the end with um, the other guy, Roy, how he totally saves Deckard at the end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it kind of just shows that he had, like, a little bit of what humans describe as empathy mm-hmm. i guess to prove a point so you know it just could be like just something he like that affection that decker showed to rachel could just be like a like um emotion he was giving off because he felt or was programmed to be correct um so i'm not totally convinced i on either side, but if I had to choose one, I think I agree that Deckard is a replicant.
1: So, um, I'll, I'll give the uh, I guess the other side of the argument. Personally, I, I do not think Deckard's a replicant, um, and I get I guess um, I did read the book "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" by Philip K. Dick. Um, that is like kind of it's based on or you know blade runner is based on there's a lot of differences between the two so Mm. i don't think that um he him not being a replicant in the book is totally uh true for blade runner um but i do think i guess this about it i guess this is how it ties in so i think that we were talking about how the soul is essentially earned and how there's a sense of self-actualization and empathy and helping people know how Roy Batty pulls out Deckard at the end of the movie when he's hanging for his life and a response to save him kind of like, you know, the test that they were giving replicants at the very beginning of the movie. And so in a sense, maybe, maybe a soul in that sense is achieved, but soul and being an empathic person is through helping people. And so, Deckard essentially saves Rachel at the end of the movie from being hunted down, which um, after he kills the first replicant, he is told that he has to kill Rachel because Rachel deserted the Tyrell Corporation building. And so I think that at the beginning, like Harrison Ford is a sense earning his soul and that because of his life, because of what he's had to do, and because of the world that he lives in and this kind of um, dystopic you know, Los Angeles where it always seems to be like nighttime and raining a lot, that in a sense, it's it's molded this person to where, even though he is a human and he might pass the voight comp test, he doesn't have a soul and he, he may not essentially be any different from a replicant who was just born to do manual slave labor on other planets that doesn't really have a choice. They can't think for themselves because there's another scene at the beginning of the movie when a cop tells him it's something like you're either a cop or you're nothing. We don't really get a sense of who is Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's character Deckard outside of just like his kind of like really small dingy apartment and seeing him just kind of just hang out at this bar and that's it so maybe so I don't think he is but I think he's he's autonomous enough to where in a sense it doesn't it doesn't matter Mm. Mm -hmm. that he's uh, you know he's kind of like a replicant in his own way almost Mm mm-hmm
2: That's some heavy stuff, Christian. (laughs) Going deep.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) I, I do have to say, it was really cool to see Harrison Ford in this movie because, I mean, like he literally did this movie as he was doing the original Star Wars trilogy, right? So, I mean, I guess his hair is a little shorter but he looks exactly like han solo right but it's such a different character right um but it it, there's that it's that juxtaposition right That's really cool where you, you you see with your eyes you see you see han solo um but um your your notions of of uh of a sci-fi hero are really challenged right because you're seeing han solo but like like what is he doing exactly like he's you know the, the, there was i think you brought up that scene uh with with deckard and um and rachel preferio and um mm-hmm. it's uh it's i guess it's a love scene but he's really rough with her you know and um and he's really forceful and uh it's not it's not the smooth talking rogue uh smuggler here right you know the guy who says i know right it's not that guy (laughs) this guy (laughs) is is clunky he doesn't know what to say he's when when he's having this emotional moment with rachel like you could see he's kind of struggling like he doesn't know like how to behave really right um and uh and yeah also like what you said for his the performance is is a little bit like robotic right? right um again like a real 180 from uh the han solo character i mean uh, harrison ford kind of speaks in a monotone uh any character but no it, 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 with han solo you, you know he he's he uh he, kind of like what i was saying before with the droids, like, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, right? When he, when he gets mad, he, he, he lets himself, he lets it be known. Right. But yeah. Decker, Deckard's very, uh, you know, less explicit, right. He, he keeps, he keeps things guarded. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I, I, that was just, I, I think that's cool. Right. It's just rare. Like you see that kind of, uh, comparison you know i mean and both these characters are so iconic too right han solo and deckard and for them to to be in that same era of harrison ford's work it's just cool to, to sort of make those comparisons
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're all like just these like tonal opposite characters yeah yeah um yeah
0: another cool character in their movie is uh the daryl hannah character priss very cool um another kind of iconic character i'm sure she's been like cosplayed a lot at conventions and stuff um and uh yeah and and she was definitely part of that uh transition right of of the audience being like oh these repl- replicants need to be stopped right mm-hmm. to like whoa like I can, I really feel for these characters, right? Um, Clearly she's not human. She's not flesh and blood, um, but uh, there's, there's something about her that, you know, you're kind of rooting for her. Right. And and you definitely want to know like, like more of her story. Right. Um, And yeah, like, and just a cool look too. Like she, she kind of does that. We're like, Uh, blackening of her eyes uh, with the rest of her face being all white thing uh, later in the movie. It's a really cool look. Yeah. I, I, I've mentioned the aesthetics of the movie, just, just pretty much everything aesthetically about this movie is really cool. I mean, the set design is, is like phenomenal. Um, But the, yeah, the character designs, you know, Deckard's coat and um, the look of, of Pris is like really cool um gaff has this really cool look to him too um yeah just i I can't say enough about just just the look of the movie uh perveria you mentioned the the music too like the combination of like what you see and what you hear just makes for a really great experience
2: yeah i was definitely getting like stranger things like kind of vibe from it
0: yeah like Like, a lot of synthesizer yeah uh yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah like another thing that i think is cool about going coming back and watching the original blade runner is is you kind of see its dna kind of pop up in a lot of things yeah. after it even though this is like kind of more of like a cult movie and really bombed at the box office you kind of see the way like you know in the genre and like say like cyberpunk but also just like you know other movies that aren't necessarily cyberpunk as well kind of take on that look and that feel like in um Batman Begins like mm-hmm. you kind of you really get that like kind of noir theme and Christopher Nolan said he's like a real big fan of this movie of Blade Runner and and another movie such as like a Drive with Ryan Gosling yeah the matrix.
2: I definitely saw influence yeah, of the matrix in there. Just like, I think like the deep philosophical, um, question of like, what is human? And I guess kind of in the matrix, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, again, the effects, the cyberpunk, um, kind of atmosphere in it. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought the, the look was cool. And, um, it's nice that that uh, the movie was sort of old enough so that it didn't have CGI, because a lot of times when we look at older movies, it's the CGI that that dates it, right? We talked a little bit about the first Blade movie, how you know uh, the action scenes are great, and you see Wesley Snipes doing his thing, and it's like, whoa, he's really doing it, you know. But then, anytime they throw in CGI, it's like, whoa, <laughs> what the hell, man! Um, but yeah, with Blade Runner, this movie is is old enough that you know there really wasn't CGI, right? So it doesn't have that trapping, right? um And yeah, like I said, it you don't really feel you're watching a dated movie, right? I mean, there might be some parts where you kind of get the sense of like, oh, this is supposed to be the future, like uh you know it it didn't have it didn't have uh like the practical effects of of like the original star wars trilogy right Didn't have all the models and everything um so there's that i guess but i don't know you know there were flying cars in the movie right (laughs) and they look cool um and yeah i just i mean the the practical effects i think they they held up pretty well
2: yeah
1: Mm -hmm. yeah like i just love like those miniature sets that they make and a lot of what that's a lot of what they use for the buildings Mm they get a lot of the a lot of the shots of the city Mm -hmm. um and like that that tower that you see at the beginning of the movie or the uh not tower the pyramid that you see Mm. where the tyrell corporation is yeah a miniature yeah,
0: that and that that to this day just looks amazing. Just see that, to see that image, you know, and it doesn't look like a miniature, right? It looks great. Okay, so maybe we can segue to this article I sent you guys earlier today. Kind of interesting. Uh, this is an article from Vice dot com. Um, it kind of coincided with the release of the sequel of uh, Blade Runner 2049. So it came out uh, October, 2017. So a few years ago, Um, but basically it it addresses uh, some criticism that cyberpunk stuff has. And that's uh, why the cyberpunk fetishize Asian culture but doesn't actually have that many Asians in it. Uh, So um, the Blade Runner movies are often sided with this, right? So, uh, yeah, this comes up a lot with with pop culture in general, right? A Mm -hmm. lot of stuff we watch and read feels Asian, but where are the Asians, (laughs) you know? Um, So... Where to start here? Um, yeah, I can start real quick. Yeah, like, you know, I bring this stuff up a lot, you know, representation in media. And a lot of times I have problems with it, you know. I, I talked about some of the shortcomings of of the Doctor Strange movie, of Batman Begins, a few others. Um, with Blade Runner, I I can't really... I can't really, uh, how can I say it? I don't, wanna, I don't really want to bash Blade Runner for this. Um, it seems kind of odd, but Blade Runner, I mean, this movie came out quite a while ago, 1982, right? Um, and to say like, oh, it's an old movie, you know, people didn't know better back then. That's, that's a shitty excuse, right? Um, but, you know, you have to keep in mind the context of the times, right? What was in the public consciousness? What was going on? What was the zeitgeist of the era? Um, and it really wasn't these things, right? It's not like today where we really scrutinize, like, oh, how many people of color are in this movie, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and as it was... Uh, it was kind of such a beautiful love letter to Asian culture. It just aesthetically it 's so great, right And there were some Asian actors in it, like none in major roles, um, but uh, the great James Hong is in this movie in kind of a cool role he 's like this eye- eyeball designer <laughs> in a really bizarre scene with replicants early in the movie uh, there's there's a Japanese female actress uh, later in the movie who kind of helps Deckard with his investigation, kind of a cool character there also. Um, So it's not completely void of Asian actors entirely, right? Um, So I I don't fault it too much for that. Um, I might place some criticism on the sequel. I know we're not gonna focus too much on Blade Runner 2049, Today, but um, there was some complaints about that movie for not having Asian actors. Um, the actor Dave Bautista is in the movie and he's part Asian, uh, so we should probably call that out but um, with with the consciousness in mind that okay, cyberpunk tends to lack Asian representation. Um, it, it was almost like a, a defiant stance by the filmmakers not to have asian actors and um yeah it w- it would have been nice to to have some some more representation in that movie um but i'm kind of rambling here what what are your guys' thoughts about this particular topic
1: um so like yeah i th- i'd say it is definitely like a blemish on Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, especially, um, for, I guess, you know, not featuring a more diverse cast. Um, I guess, you know, as it is with a lot of, you know, just sci-fi action movies in general. Um, and you can kind of tell that cyberpunk uses a lot of th- things like the, uh, the Tokyo skyline and that kind of like ruled neon aesthetic, that like you know i think uh, like, that tokyo is like kind of known for and so um like I, I, it's it's interesting because like i you know there is like there's also the other side of cyberpunk which is the stuff that is made in japan and cyberpunk actually ha as a genre actually took off a little more in japan than it did in the united states um with uh, properties like, you know, for, first there was Akira, and then Ghost in the Shell, and then Neon Genesis Evangelion, and it was like, you know, the latter two were kind of the, just these massive monsters that are these major, these like, huge major franchises, like, pretty much, you know, at this point, globally, because they did so well over there, and it's like, it's almost like, I think, like, cyberpunk, like, it's almost like it's it's married to japan in a way like it's almost well i do think um they you know there should be more diversity in you know a lot of movies across the board i think that's just you know it's a general problem with hollywood of course and these large big budget action hmm. movies but i think i would never take away That like real asian influence from cyberpunk as a whole and i think it's it's you know it's part of that like real neon drenched aesthetic of of just that city yeah that's a good
0: point you know like a big measure of diversity and representation today is oh how many people of color actors are in your movie, right? And yeah, that's certainly, you know, it's important, it's significant, but it's not everything. Um, I I like what you mentioned about the the look of the movie. It it, it looks like Tokyo, like, you know, right in the beginning, it says Los Angeles, 2019, right? But it sure as heck feels like Tokyo. Um, And um, like, you know, I've been to Tokyo and I got to say, it feels like you're in Blade Runner. I <laughs> they, they captured that, you know, they, they captured the feel of being in Tokyo and that's fucking cool, man. Um, and there are other aspects of the original Blade Runner that kind of tap into that that Asian vibe, you know, like there's a really cool thing where you see Harrison Ford eating noodles, right? Seems like just kind of a throwaway sort of shot. But, um, right before he digs in, he kind of, he kind of cleans off his chopsticks, you know, so you don't get splinters. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: That's so cool, man. Like mm-hmm. I do. Anytime you go to like a noodle place where you get like the disposable chopsticks, everyone does that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he does that. It's so cool. And like, yeah, just <laughs> that, that whole feel of, uh, like the night market. He's, he's eating noodles at this little vendor. Um, and, uh and like i said you know a handful of of uh of asian actors in 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 minor roles um and uh and again the aesthetics of it like it, it just it just captures that feel um again i will i will have some criticism towards the sequel because it it really seemed like they they kind of veered away from that, you know, the, it was almost like, kind of like, like I was saying, they're sort of defiant in their like non Asian-ness, right. Um, instead of like being like really representative, rep, uh, representing Asians, having Asian actors and, and, and yeah, like having that sort of feel that Asian feel that they, they were sort of steering clear of it entirely. Um, I, I think, you know, you see some of the actors wearing clothes that are sort of Asian looking, like Jared Leto has kind of a, like a Asian top and the Anna de Armas character kind of has like, uh, like a like a Chinese style dress at some point, I think. Um, but for the most part, they're sort of steering clear of it entirely. And um, yeah, that was that's kind of disappointing me. Mm-hmm. How about you, Perfiro? any thoughts on this?
2: Yeah. I, I agree with points that both of you guys have talked about um I definitely did get a sense of like uh like just like Asian like influence like I think just like the neon lights and the atmosphere like there's definitely some, like Asian culture involved um but no Asian character so much and I definitely feel like I've I've seen that in a lot of like cyber cyberpunk. Films nowadays, like um, Ghost in the Shell, like another like whitewashing with the casting of Scarlett Johansson and Alter Carbon, like another TV show that features like an almost like all white casts, you know, with like these like uh, Asian influences in terms of like um, I don't know, like fighting style, like martial arts or. Uh, architecture, um, that kind of stuff. But there is no Asian characters. And um, like I said, I have yet to see Blade 2049. But but I could just tell, and it really drives from, um, I guess, like, yeah, Tokyo, like that bright neon lights nightlife um setting yeah and
0: you know it is interesting to note the origins of cyberpunk and christian you definitely have delved into it but it's not like um japan did this thing and then the u.s copied and bastardized it and that was it, right? It's kind of this sort of symbiotic thing, right? Like what mm-hmm. Hollywood did with Blade Runner was influential to Japan. And then, you know, Akira came out years after uh, Blade Runner, or the, the the film at least. Um, so it's not like, you know, Akira came out and then Blade Runner was like, oh, well, let's see what they're doing there. And it wasn't that, that at all. Just, is there something in the ether right like mm-hmm. something in the air that was just like happening worldwide so yeah I-, I think it's cool like um it's definitely more complicated than oh like hollywood's just ripping off J- japanese culture and they're whitewashing it it's-, it's definitely not that cut and dry right um and yeah and I-, I think for that reason like the original blade runner is just like super cool right it- it was uh, it was definitely drawing from Asian culture. no question i mean you, you, it's immediately apparent you watch the movies like okay there's it, it feels asian um, but you know ultimately it's just like an original work right um, and yeah, if you're talking about a movie that is like super original super influential, entertaining, and just like a solid fucking movie, um, it's hard to complain too much about it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one thing yeah. I mentioned before, you know, about like lack of representation, like, usually it's like, oh, well, it would have been nice if you had like X amount of Asian actors in the movie or more black characters or whatever. Um, but when you're dealing with uh, like something like this, it's almost like oh, like like you know what whatever they did here, <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> like it worked. Um, I wouldn't change it. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I just appreciate it. it, it it's it's a really it, it's it's a it's a really uh, a great movie for sure yeah and i I don't know if we need to go here but i remember when they announced blade runner 2042 i was pretty turned off i was like like why do they need to do this Mm -hmm. right i mean uh, we've had similar discussions about like the the akira live action version you know like why do they even need to go there um but
1: i'm sorry uh christian do you want to bring something up um so i guess i guess um like i also had like the same like kind of like initial reaction to blade runner 2049 where it kind of came kind of during this big string of like kind of 80s like kind of remakes rehashes or like long long done sequels Uh, and so part of you is just thinking like oh is this just going to just kind of like water everything down and is this just going to be just like an action movie that doesn't really get to the heart of what is Blade Runner this like really slow burn kind of atmospheric kind of movie and so uh you know I, I actually think 2049 personally is um better than the original blade runner overall like oh, wow. it totally surprised me when i was watching it and uh, you know of course the whole the whole thing is uh it it is very debatable cuz blade runner is such like this just iconic movie in, in and of itself and there's just something about it. That's just so original. So, so Blade Runner. <laughs> and I think there's a, the, and like, it, it seems like this lightning in a bottle kind of movie. And personally, I feel like Blade Runner somehow uh, recaptures that same energy and expands on it in its own way as well. So I guess, I guess that that turned into my little pitch for the movie. <laughs>
0: that is a bold statement gotta say
2: um you know, say no more christian <laughs> say no more i'm sold all
0: right <laughs> i would add too that i highly recommend that movie i've had some criticisms for it just now uh but um i totally agree that it is not your run-of-the-mill reboot yeah, that that that's a good point. Like around this time, there were some pretty horrendous reboots happening. I remember there was a Total Recall remake mm-hmm. and a RoboCop remake. Both of them were like not good. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, yeah, I had very similar thoughts about this one when leading up to the release. Right? I was like, oh shit, they're gonna fuck up Blade Runner too. Um, but it, it is absolutely not either of those movies and, um, it, it is high quality entertainment for sure. Um, I definitely don't rank it, you know, on par or certainly not surpassing the original Blade Runner. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. It, it is definitely, um, a, a good movie. Mm -hmm. if for no other reason it definitely is uh beautiful to look at like the original blade runner so in that respect it's it is a worthy follow-up just because it's it's really a sight to see for sure Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all right so i can get i think we can get to wrapping up any final thoughts on blade runner
2: Um, I feel like I need to watch Blade Runner, the original one, one more time with every with everything we talked about, um, and just I don't know, look for like those like niches that you guys talked about, like whether it being like Decker's character if he's a um replicant and those like themes of like empathy. Um, I feel like I need to watch that one more time but I'm definitely sold on watching the sequel. I will say that.
1: So I guess, um, my final thoughts. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, I kind of want to, I guess go off on a little bit, uh, more of a tangent or just on like cyberpunk as a whole, because of course I, you know, I love blade runner. I would definitely recommend it. I would definitely like, it's almost like the movie you watch multiple times. Um, but another cyberpunk property that was that came out around the same time is called Neuromancer by William Gibson. It never got adapted into oh, but you it's also another huge cyberpunk kind of property like Blade Runner that, that has generally been like you've seen the DNA in a lot of other things like since such as like you know the Matrix. Um and uh, a large influence on the kind of look in the world of Blade Runner were the, com- the European comics Judge Dredd and Heavy Metal, which are these comics that started in the 70s that were like the first one to really depict that kind of real dingy dystopian world. Another great movie uh, that I, I really like that's a great cyberpunk is the movie Dredd as well. And are we talking Sylvester
2: Stallone Dread or? Um... Uh, the Carl Urban movie. <laughs> I really did not like
1: the Sylvester Stallone Dread. That was pretty bad. But the Carl Urban movie is pretty yeah. badass. I agree. I agree. <laughs> cool.
0: Uh, so why don't we give our ratings? Let's do it. Uh, yeah. You want to start, Perferio?
2: Oh, man. Uh I'll probably have to give... Okay, we're doing a scale of five, right? Correct. Okay. I'd have to give it a four. Um, it was a good movie. I really liked it, but I still have, you know, like, again, like, since this was my first take, I still have so many questions. You guys helped clarify some things, but I feel like I need to, like, rewatch it on my own, and this is... It was just a lot to unpack, Overall, it was a good movie, good storyline, good action, good music. Um, it was good. Four. Four out of five. Right on.
0: Okay, um, I can give mine. Um, I'm also going to go four out of five. Um, yeah, I, I know what you're, you're saying, Perferio. like A movie like this, it's, it's a lot to process, you know? and you've seen it once i've been processing this movie for like decades (laughs) and uh it it challenges you you know and on one hand that's great but um it does challenge you you know uh it's it's not the type of movie that at least i can't just sit back and just go for a ride right um it, it does make me think and um engages me, you know, it, it, uh, it kind of jostles me and, you know, it's like, makes me ask, ask tough questions. Right. Um, so yeah, like, I guess, you know, movies that, uh, that I would give like a five out of five are probably a little easier. Right. Not to say they're just like mindless entertainment kind of stuff, but it, it doesn't—it's it, not that much of a uh, a challenge, you know—that much of a uh, an assignment to, to watch, right?
2: Like, yeah, I feel like you have to be in the mood to watch it.
0: In a way, in a way, yeah. Um, uh-huh. uh, another thing I want to mention is like, like I I've, I've been giving fours on almost every movie review and like i i i i'm so like like harsh a critic that it's really hard I'm for picking. me to give a five <laughs> yeah like i was thinking like before we started recording like i i want to give this movie a five but like I, i'm just i just yeah it, it it's just like i'm that i'm just i'm too hard on movies i think but uh, there's no <laughs> question this is a classic and and uh, everything i mentioned like the aesthetics of it the performances and um the, the depth of it you know it's uh it, it's it's a real achievement at the, you know um i definitely hold that it's uh it's it's a cinema classic for sure um and um yeah recommend it absolutely
2: Mm-hmm.
0: how about you Christian
1: um, I w- I would actually agree as well it's uh, I think a four out of five movie I think that you know I do, I do love this movie it is like this big classic and um, you know it's a movie I've seen like over and over and like I could talk about this movie for a long long time and but like you know of, cor- of course the movie's pretty rough around the edges and it doesn't come out as much in the final cut as it does in some of the earlier cuts, but like the movie, like um, I think there's there's always two scenes in this movie that have always like really bo- like always really bothered me. The first one we talked about earlier, it's kind of the love scene between uh, Deckard and Rachel, like yeah, um, it just yeah, uh, I. Uh-huh. I think that that scene, like, well, it does. I guess you know, there's something that is to be said to both of those characters, like, yeah. and like, you know, it, it definitely, it, it, oh, it looks like assault. Like, it looks pretty rapey when you when yeah. you watch it, and the way it just yeah. it's like, kiss me, <laughs> and so like, ah, oh, that's it. Like, you know, like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, kind of, <laughs> yeah, they smooth smooth over. I think that scene, mm-hmm. um a bit but like just seeing it on its own is like uh and i guess the other scene is always just kind of funny but it's a scene that probably goes on longer than it should it's the part where uh decker uh goes to meet the snake charmer uh who's the replicant and he like puts on this weird Mm -hmm. voice like hey there i'm here to check for holes (laughs) in your wardrobe yeah and like she hasn't met him before (laughs) why does he have to put on the it's like such a weird scene I mean, it's so like kind of awkward and I, I i don't know like that always like kind of throws off the movie for me it seems <laughs> yeah. so like it's like it's it's just like kind of silly in this otherwise like dreary movie and okay. so like but it go like i said it like it feels like it goes on for like way too long mm-hmm. and so those were the uh, like the only part that like i think really stood out to me is like parts i just didn't like that's fair of the movie so mm-hmm. four or <laughs> well, Oh, speaking of which um
0: that reminds me i do have a scene in the movie that i find hard to watch and that's at the end when uh, roy is breaking deckard's fingers so like deckard's hand is like through the wall and then roy oh, is yeah. like breaking <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I just can't watch that. Like, I have to look away. Like, <laughs> it's just—I don't know. It's just so like real, and and you know, Roy is like super strong too, right? So, it just, uh, yeah, it's 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 really cringeworthy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, uh,
1: there's something so visceral about that scene. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, so there you have it, fours across the board. Um, yeah, kind of surprised. I thought you'd go with the five, Christian. I know,
2: Chris, Christian, <laughs> you, that, that four really caught me off guard.
1: It's probably more of a 4.5, I guess, like <laughs> if I would give a half score.
0: <laughs> but I like this. I, I feel like we're all coveting that five. We're not just giving it away, right? Uh, so that's cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from Henry Perferio and Christian